1: I hear parents all the time say, my kid doesn't respect me. My kid doesn't respect me, right? It's this sort of thing. And respect is actually a two-way street, right? And and it's a sort of, yes, yes, we have a certain amount of privilege because we happen to be an older person. But at any age, a human deserves some level of respect. And I think that that's what happens is that if we are more directive in our communication, telling our kids what to do, our our young adults, our teenagers hear that as disrespect, as opposed to, okay, wait a second. And and the the analogy I always use is, imagine it was your friend that you're having a conversation to, and not your 16-year-old or your 21-year-old. You know, what would you do differently in this conversation? Hey, I want to talk to you about XYZ is this a good time
0: welcome to jbd team talks with your host karen mcmahon During team talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of Team Talks, JBD Team Talks. I am with Diane Dempster today. Hey, Diane. Hey, Karen. We want to chat with you today about parenting teens and young adults building trust, communication, and collaboration. And when when we were were offline, Diane and I were chatting about how often our clients uh, can get stuck in how they parent How you parent your children when they're younger and what those transitions are that enable you to build that trust and communication and collaboration as they grow into teens and young adults. So I'm going to let you take it away, Diane.
1: No, I think I mean, stuck's a great word for it because, you know, nobody has kids don't come with a user manual right? It's just they, they don't. And and so we get into a groove and we're, we're in our role as leader of a family when our kids are young and we're setting the pace and we're saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we're giving them motivation and rewards and all of these sorts of things. And what ends up happening is that at some age, our kids start wanting to be independent. Gee, surprise, isn't that a miracle, right? It's no, it's part of the process. But we don't realize it's, it's that independence is a process and not just a moment in time. And, and I think as parents, we don't we aren't aware that we've got to change the way we're relating to them as they become more independent and not just go from, okay, I'm the parent, I'm in charge, to, okay, you're off on your own, you're independent, you're doing your thing, and I'm out of it, right? It's just, there's this in-between place that's the really important part. And kids go at different paces. I mean, they may be really independent with regard to their relationship and their friends or even their schoolwork, but maybe around their finances and their um, you know, their, their social engagements or stuff like that. It's They need more support and help from you. And so it's about navigating where they need you to be rather than where you think they should be or where you should be.
0: Right. I, I love that. And I think what happens is there is there are assumptions about uh, what our child needs or what they are or aren't capable of or what their fears are. And that key, that transition. Um, is so vital. And it's like we we know our children are getting older. And of course, we never look like we're getting older. And so it's like your point is we're transitioning to. And, you know, you and I both have emerging adults. And so that that shift from when we're directing and managing everything to starting to invite them. And how do you do that? How do you transition uh, to begin to invite our children Uh, into taking on more and more while still being the support for them. And I think that's what so many people don't understand how to do.
1: Well, and I want to take it back a step because I think that there's kind of two different groups of parents. There's those who are like, how do I invite my kid to be more and more independent? And then we've got the parents whose kids put up a wall at some point. And and I I remember really distinctly, this is part of my my story. I must've been 15 years old. And I was at that point in my life where I wanted to be independent And I probably looked at my mom and said, mom, stay out of my business. And so she went, you know, okay, (laughs) that's it. And then it was this sort of, she backed off completely. And I didn't mean, I, I, I don't know what I meant when I was 15, but it was like this sort of, there ended up being this distance between us because she thought I wanted to be alone and independent and she was supposed to stay out. But what I really meant was, hey, you're too close And I need I need you to be here. I need you to have my back, but I don't need you to be like right here directing me the way you were when I was younger. And I think that that's what happens is a lot of times our kids push back because they don't know how to ask for what they need. And so they'll say things like, mom, stay out of my business or I've got this or, you know, it's like so. And then we as parents, our gremlins and pleasers and everybody else shows up and it's like this sort of we react to what our kids say. And then we're like, oh, my gosh, my kid wants me out of it or you know what if they fail I and mean, we you know all of our stuff kind of shows up so there's there's both of that it's like how to handle a kid who's resisting your help and how to how to respond when a kid is ready to get more independent, but needs you to help them to move there. Right.
0: And in either case, there's that bridge that we're building. And what I hear you saying is if your child is just putting up the wall and saying, stay out, um, they don't have nearly enough in their toolbox for you to stay out completely. And so how do you understand what their boundary is and where they still need your support and still show up as that supportive parent while giving them the space that they're asking for when it makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I think, well, so I think our listeners know that I do parent coaching and, um, at Impact Parents, we talk about four roles of the parent. We talk about the director, the collaborator, the supporter, and the champion, and I think you guys can conceptually understand. We teach a whole class on what, those four different roles, but we get in this director mode and we don't know how to be anything else. We don't know how to work with our kids. We don't know how to partner with our kids, especially if our kids are resisting help. And a lot of times if a kid resists help, instead of just saying, fine, you've got it, you know, maybe they do need to struggle a little bit, but we don't need to, You know, we need to stay close enough to be able to say, okay, wait, I want my kid to still feel like I've got their back. So if they are struggling We can say not, I told you so, you need me. We can say, okay, wow, that looks like it didn't go the way you thought it would. Do you, you know, are you open to some help? And then you kind of back into it. Right. Um, Whereas the other kid who's like, needs push independence, you know, maybe you move from director to, well, what do you think you want to do? How do you want to, you know, it's like what, you know, inviting them into a collaboration. And and you were alluding to this, Karen, they're kind of these three core things. It's about trust. It's about collaboration and it's about communication. I mean, I think that there's all of those different pieces. Did I miss one? what it No, that was
0: it. So, exactly. Trust, collaboration and communication. And you just modeled so beautifully what the point I wanted to bring up, which is um, the asking rather than telling, which I think yeah. is so foundational to the challenges that parents have because they don't know at but they assume, right? So it's my kid. So I assume I know. And yet the questions that you just raised for either personality without asking those questions and just making an assumption, I could see where things could go South pretty quickly.
1: Well, and I think I would, I would spin it just a little bit differently, which is this sort of, as, as humans, particularly when we get busy or we get overwhelmed or we get, you know, into life, we're just going about our day or, and, and, we forget that part of what we're trying to do is have a relationship with these kids. I mean that's that's the core thing. If I if I'm just talking to my kids about schoolwork and the chores and the stuff and the whatever, right? It's a sort of and I'm not trying to figure out how do I enjoy who is this person? Who is this young person that's living in my house? What do they like? What are they interested in? I mean, I think about, you know, how we engage with adults that are important to us in our life. I mean, I ideally we want to have our kids, um, in those same sorts of spaces. And I think what ends up happening, honestly, is our feelings get hurt. And I'm going to go back to my mom. It's like, I'm clear. I hurt my mom's feelings when I was 15 and it hurt her feelings so much that she just was like, Nope, I'm not, I'm I'm not going there anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to have a relationship with this person. She just totally told me to, you know, mind my own business, right? It's a sort of, and so that's what ends up happening is that we're, we forget, You know, we we get lost in the shuffle of the the dynamic of puberty and individuating in our kids' energy of, I mean, being a teenager is hard.
0: Going through a divorce is challenging. It involves many issues, legal, financial, emotional, and social, and requires the guidance of a seasoned legal team to achieve optimal outcomes. That's the promise of Laufer, Delena, Jensen, Bradley, and Doran. Choosing the right family lawyer could be the most important decision you make in the divorce process. There's life after divorce, and Laufer's team helps you to get there. Providing options to mediate, arbitrate, collaborate, or litigate, the firm handles issues such as alimony, custody, child support, and equitable distribution. Each case is staffed with both a male and female attorney as their clients benefit from having both gender perspectives on their side, and that distinguishes their firm. You can get your free consultation today by calling 973-285-1444 and mention that you heard about them on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. And, and these days, being an emerging adult is is pretty hard too. And I'll just share a recent story. I, I've I've worked pretty hard at having a good relationship with my kids. And my daughter was able to come to me a couple of weeks ago and she said, every time you call, you're like the taskmaster. And you know, you're, you're all business. And did you do this with the health insurance? And did you do that with your license? And, and she's like, you know, what happened to just like, how are you doing? And what's going on and what's new in your life? And um I really was like, point well taken and being the busy person that I am, I get on the phone with her and I know we need to address these five points of business. And for me to slow it down enough to go, Hey, what's going on? And how are you doing? And before we get off the phone, you know, I want to address a couple of things and see where you're, you are with them. Um, I love that she was able to tell me and that I was able to hear it and Now it's top of mind. And I think had the relationship not been there, it would have been very easy for there to just be a a wall, like just a slammed door in my face.
1: Right. Well, and that happens so much. And I think that that's the piece of it is we a lot of times we go into a relationship with these kids because we want we want to have a relationship. And if our kids aren't immediately responsive, then we're like, well, I'm not going to keep trying because. You're not you're not reciprocating, but one thing I know about you, and I think that this is a key for all of us. We should try to have a relationship with our kids, whether or not they have one back with us. And yeah. all I don't know, I don't know else to say that, right? It's just sort of if if I know if I can notice. Gee, I'm trying to be a taskmaster master all the time, and I'm really not having a relationship with this person, and just be able to focus more on okay, how do I have a relationship with this person? even if they're not relating back. And I think that that's where we end up getting stuck a lot of times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the key of, um, of asking what they need. I find that with, um, with both of my kids, uh, and they're in their early twenties. They come to me with an issue, and before I start telling them how to solve it, right? It's that, and I guess maybe that would fall into communication and collaboration. To I, I hear that you're struggling with A, B, and C. Um, how can I support you? As opposed to you should really
1: yeah do X, Y, well, and, and there's P. different layers of it because sometimes they do need advice. Sometimes you'll say, well, what do you what do you think? And let's say, I don't know. And, and right. then and then you like you, we take that as permission to just jump in and tell them what to do again. And that's really not what I don't know. Sometimes does mean I don't know, but it doesn't often mean tell me what to do, mom. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And can you model what?
0: Because I think a lot of our listeners is going, well, what else would I do then? So can yeah. you just model what do you do when I, when your kid says, I don't know, and the right thing to do isn't to tell, tell them, them what, what to do. To right? do.
1: <laughs> so I talk we talk about scaffolding. I wrote a whole blog article called what to do when your kid says, I don't know. So just so there is an oh, article out there that I wrote. We'll put that in the, the show in the notes. show notes. Okay. So it's about scaffolding. Instead of jumping to, well, here I'll tell you, you know, you, maybe they don't, maybe they don't know because they really don't know, or maybe they don't know because they're the kind of person that needs to think about it for a while. So you want to give them a little bit of space and say, okay, well, Think about it and let's talk at dinner time and I've got some ideas if you don't, um, and we'll figure it out together. Right. So you're letting them know you have their back, but you're you're not jumping in, right? Or, or another way to approach it might be um to, to give them some choices. So I have some, and you always, this is another tool I want to teach, is always ask permission. I have some ideas. Are you open to hearing it? instead of just coming in with your ideas, right? It's always that sort of almost virtual knock on the door. Hey, I have some ideas, would you like to hear them? Um, Or, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this. Is this a good time? And we we tend to, as parents, we're like rehearsing a conversation and we only have 30 seconds with our kids in most instances because they're running and we're running. And so that's how we end up in that habit of being so task oriented. But if we take the time to go, okay, wait for the invitation, asked to be invited, you know, all that sort of entering into the conversation is part of it. They may also not know because they're afraid they're going to give the wrong answer and hmm. they're going to be disappointing to you. And so, or, or <laughs> this used to happen in my house a lot. They know that you already know what you want the answer to be. And so if they wait and they say, I don't know, they, they know you're going to tell them anyway. Right. It's just yeah. sort of so there's a pattern often that happens. And so just know that I don't know doesn't necessarily mean I really don't know, but it might. Right. And so you wanna give your kid the space to figure it out themselves if they can, and you wanna help them figure it out rather than telling them what to do, which is a whole different right. dynamic. And this isn't just for teens and young adults. This is this works even for young kids as well. It's this sort of, if I don't jump to, well, this is what you should do and here's how you solve the problem, you're teaching your kids problem solving skills. This is really what it's about. It's not about the problem of the day. It's about developing resilient kids who can solve problems in the long run and deal with their own life issues on their own eventually which is what ultimately we want our kids to be able to do.
0: Right, right, I I love that. And the whole idea, even if you are giving suggestions, one of the things I often encourage is always give choices. You know, whatever it is. And they could say those choices all suck, which happens in life sometimes then we would like that. The choices yeah. do all stink. But at least there they have um, agency to choose. And I think that especially as we're talking about uh, kids growing into teen years and young adult years, uh, it's so important that they build confidence in their ability to make a choice. And if I grew up with a mom who was so controlling, when I went away to college, I didn't know what kind of clothing I liked. I didn't know what kind of music I liked. I was such a stranger to myself mm. and, 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 and it certainly wasn't, you know, her desire to do that, but there was such a controlling uh, telling us, what could and couldn't be that there was no space for that exploration of self and that building of confidence. You, you end up being 20 years old and going to a clothing store and going, I don't really, I don't know what the heck to do here. Um, and well, you don't want to be there.
1: Well, and what you're describing is kind of one of the core things of collaboration, right? It's this sort of in you, there has to be this energetic back and forth Right. And we have to set we have to be the ones to set the pace for that. Right. It's just sort of because we get into bad habits or our kids get into habits. And so asking questions and offering choices and all of those things that move the energy from us to our kids, inviting them to help you figure it out. You know, those sorts of things can be really key.
0: Are you emotionally overwhelmed, heartbroken, bitter, paralyzed by fear? In order to effectively navigate the significant decisions before you and skillfully master your life after divorce, you must attend to your emotional recovery. Our 12-step divorce recovery program is an emotional roadmap that guides you to feel clearer, stronger, and more in charge of yourself. Thousands have emerged transformed by the lessons, strategies, and tools our roadmap provides. Divorce will change your life. Enroll in the 12-step Divorce Recovery Program today and ensure that the changes will be life-enhancing. Go to DivorceRecoveryProgram.com to enroll.
1: And underneath it, the one that we haven't really talked about yet is trust, right? Right. And I think that this is one of those things that if kids are not in a situation where they feel safe, and and I'm saying that loosely, but if they don't feel safe, they're not going to collaborate. They're not going to communicate. I mean, so so trust becomes really important on a couple of levels. I mean, a lot of work. Our podcast is targeted as people who are either thinking about divorce or going through divorce, and there's a lot of drama and mistrust and, and difficult situations that break down our kids' trust. So that's the first piece of it. And today's day and age, it, it, we're in a place where everything's kind of unknown, unsettled, and that creates a sense of uh, un, feeling unsafe, feeling that lack of trust. And so there's this, you know, if you think about what it is that makes you feel safe as a person, you know, it's like, how do you know this person is a cool person to talk to, right? It's this sort of you, that's really my heart for parents is we figure out how do you, how do you create the environment where your kid goes, oh, she's a cool person to talk to. I can trust her. Think about your favorite teacher in high school, or you may know your kid's favorite teacher from high school and just say, what was it about that teacher that made your kiddo feel safe enough To be able to relax a minute or open up or collaborate or communicate. I mean, all of those sorts of things. And trust is such an important piece. What are your thoughts on trust, Karen? Yeah, I think that that's it's key. And as
0: you're talking, I'm thinking um, I both of my kids fell in love with this history teacher in high school and she My son, especially, who was kind of a 65 average student, she respected him so much that he would actually go to her room during lunch because she would listen and she showed him respect. And his confidence built so much in areas that she saw he had strengths. It didn't matter about his grades. And so he had an enormous amount of trust. In fact, he respected her so much. He's going back to school to become a history teacher now. Oh, that's so Um, cool. It's so cool. And, and Christopher was, was the bad kid. He was the kid who was always at the dean's office. And, and so there was a perfect example of someone who said, I see you, I hear yeah. you, I respect you. And I think as as parents, for us to, and, and one of my things is always two ears, one mouth, listen, listen, because yeah. there's so much for us to learn about what our kids fear, what they need, what they're assumptions or perspectives are. And when we have that information, uh, we can go so much further.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's that word respect is just like flashing in my ears, right? It's this sort of, I hear parents all the time say, my kid doesn't respect me. My kid doesn't respect me. Right. It's this sort of thing. And respect is actually a two-way street. Right. And and it's a sort of, yes, yes, we have a certain amount of privilege because we happen to be an older person, but it, it, any age, a human deserves some level of respect. And I think that that's what happens is that if we are more directive in our communication, telling our kids what to do, our our young adults, our teenagers hear that as disrespect as opposed to, okay, wait a second. And and the the analogy I always use is imagine it was your friend that you're having a conversation to Mm. and not your 16 year old or your 21 year old you know, what would you do differently in this conversation? Hey, I want to talk to you about XYZ. Is this a good time? You know, it's like, hey, I was thinking it might be fun to go to dinner tomorrow night, but you may be busy. What's going to work for you? You know, it's that sort of back and forth sort of respectful dialogue that we forget partly because we're busy and partly because I'm the parent and I deserve respect. And it's, it's a hard habit to break sometimes.
0: Well, and I think the other piece of it is how we were parented. Oh, and yeah. I think that, you know, I would love if you could just talk about that for just a couple of minutes because. Like you said, there's no manual. And so what do I know? I know what my mom and dad did. And I was primarily raised by my mom. And so I know what my mom did. And my rule was if mom did it, try not to do it. Um, so that's kind of how <laughs> I emerged from my childhood. Like, I, I don't want to do things that way because we were really raised with a lot of um, strictness and fear. And I thought, well, uh, it, we look like good kids, but, but how much of that trust and relationship and collaboration did we have not so much. So what do you tell these parents? Because I think that it's it's almost like this this um unconscious blueprint that I'm just gonna do
1: what was done. And well I think that part of it is kind of knowing the the story you're telling yourself about being a parent and the place mm-hmm. I like to look I mean you guys have all heard my podcast on triggers but If you notice where you're getting triggered as a parent, where your kid's behavior is catching you and getting your goat, that's a great indication of where you might have a story about what parents are supposed to do. You know, it's like I have parents all the time who say, I would have never gotten away with that with my dad. He would have blah, blah, blah. Right. That's the sort of thing. Right. And so that's, I I was teaching a class today at lunch and we were talking about technology and triggers and, and that sort of thing. And, and. I realized that one of my triggers is we're going to get in trouble, right? It's just sort of, I'm like, wait, I'm no longer like, like my parents are going to come here and they're going to get me in trouble because we're, you know, we're doing it. And it's like this sort of, I'm worried that if my kids misbehave, that we're going to get in trouble, right? It's just sort of, I've, we're still being parented because, you know, or I'm a failure as a parent. If I have kids that talk back or I'm a failure of, my, of a, as a parent, I haven't not done my job. I mean, there's so much, uh parenthood is like such a juicy place for our gremlins and our guilt and our shame and everything else to kind of just live and breathe and thrive. And, um, and I think that, you know, to go back to your question, it's, it's hard to let go of the way you were parented, but if you can get to, here's what I appreciated from my parents,
0: mm.
1: here's what was hard for me from my parents and kind of be aware of both of those things. You're going to approach your relationship with your kids in a very different way than if you let the gremlins jump in and take over. Does that resonate here?
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. And what you said earlier, it's like we say this with your ex, too. It's like if you're triggered, there's an opportunity for you to understand what's going on instead of just like my kid's a brat or whatever. And so I have found that to be so incredibly helpful. And so here we have people going through divorce. I'll share two Um, Brief stories, one, a client had I think uh, her son was in middle school and he kept asking, like, when when is the divorce going to be final? When is the divorce going to be final? And she she never took the time to inquire why he was asking the question. And so she was giving him all this information that was probably a little bit too heavy for him, too detailed for him. And in one of our sessions, I said, you know, he keeps asking, why don't you ask him why he's asking? And his answer was because daddy won't let us have a puppy. But once you guys are living under two households, um, I was hoping we could get a dog.
1: And she was like, it was all about the puppy.
0: It was all about the puppy. She's talking about court. She's talking about complexities. And then just recently I had a client who is starting to date someone and she was Um, uncertain about how to kind of introduce and, 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 and smooth the way, um, for her child to, um, be open to this new person. And so again, when we began looking at, well, well, what have you spoken to him about thus far and what would you like to speak to him about? Um, it was it was such new information to use inquiry to get clear on where the child <laughs> was before you tried to figure out where you would like to encourage them to go. Well, and
1: that's a piece of it. It's like, this sort of, if you ask, I, have, I had a post-it note on my desk for years that said, ask, don't tell, right? It's just sort of, if you start with, well, what is it about that question that's important to you? You know, it's like, and you're figuring out, well, it's really about the puppy and not about, you know, whether or not, you know, you're going to start dating or whatever else. But in this dating instance, I mean, even saying to your kiddo, well, I'm thinking about dating. When, when should I let you know about it? You know, we're talking about teens and young adults. I remember really distinctly when I um, went through my divorce and then I started, it was a long time before I started dating, but my kids were like, my kids were relieved because I was like engaging with other adults, but you know, it's like, I'd read all the books and they say, don't, don't talk about it until it's too soon. Until it's far enough in the relationship, blah blah blah. And it is very different when you're talking about teens and young adults than it is when you're talking about little kids who may not be able to conceptualize adult relationships. But teens and young adults can conceptualize dating and relationships. And you might date somebody for a while and then break up, or you might, you know, it's like all that sort of stuff. It's it, again, it's just sort of ability to shift the way we're communicating and meet them where they're at. I love that phrase, meet them where they're at, figure yeah. out where your kiddo is and go there instead of where you expect them to be or where you wish they were or where they used to be, all that sort of stuff.
0: And you can't meet them where they're at unless you're asking questions so that you can find, find out, out where, they're, where at. they're at. So that's the yes. key. My, my, When I was uh, in my first relationship after my divorce, my my son hated this fella and, you know, he was a history teacher who's really sweet. And finally I was like, what is it? And he said to me, "Um, I believe I should be the only man in your life. And it's like all of my frustration and disappointment about like what was going on with him and this fella like melted away. And I was like, how amazing is that for me to have found out that that's the heart and the center of his you know, resistance and snarkiness with this other. Well,
1: and how person. self-aware for him to be able to say what's really going on for me is that I like I'm afraid I'm jealous, I'm envious yeah, of, I'm, of I'm your not... time in your space.
0: Yeah. yeah. So so there's just so much um power and um treasure in in asking and learning where our kids are at. And then as Diane's talking, to really pay attention to how you're transitioning into raising you know a grade school kid versus a middle school versus a high school versus someone in college or even after college like they're transitioning we have to transition as parents as well and support them while we invite them to be more and more independent
1: and then the other thing i would just reiterate is that it's not about you may not get the reaction that you expect. You want to, right? And that's that's part of individuation, that's part of kids having a hard time in life, everything else. We're not doing this so that our kids will say, thank you, mom, I'm so glad, let's be buddies, right? It's just sort of, that may or may not happen, right. but the reason we're doing this, the reason we're changing is so that we can help them become independent and not about so much how they're gonna react to it.
0: Absolutely, and that goes from everything from the parent who, you know, Feels guilty about the divorce, and so you're not uh, inviting your children into doing chores or taking on any responsibilities. That I was just speaking to another client. And I said that, that how are your current behaviors with your children um, building their independence and their ability to uh, to cook, to clean for themselves, to do their laundry, and so it, it's it's across the board when we start looking at at it through that lens of relationship, trust, communication, and collaboration, uh, we can really begin approaching each stage of our child's um, maturity uh, as a different parent with a different set of, um, with a different approach along the way. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Any last words for our listeners before we sign off?
1: You know, be gentle with yourself. I mean, we started with parenting doesn't come with a manual and, you know, you may or may not get it right the first time. And if you don't, I mean, it's life. I look at life as an experiment, right? It's just sort of, if you try something and it doesn't work, try something different and, you know, pay attention to those moments where you tend to shut down because you don't get the reaction that you want instead of going, well, that didn't work the way that I wanted to. Let me try something else.
0: Yeah. And I think if we were just talking to your typical parent, Um, raising teens and and emerging adults is challenging. You add going through a divorce and all of the emotional upheaval and all of the additional shifting, moving pieces. And yeah, uh, a lot of self-compassion and gentleness, kindness to yourself, to your kid. um, and, uh, And we'll have some of those resources in our show notes for you. Awesome.
1: Diane, thanks so much. Great conversation today as always, Karen. Thanks everybody for listening. And we'll be back again real soon with another episode of JBD Team Talks.
0: Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, Please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women throughout one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.